Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. In verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This is the word of our precious Lord. Thank you, Ruth. I need to say, where's Pastor Everett? Is he in his spot? There he is. Thank you, Pastor Everett, for stepping in on short notice last Sunday and um, just blessing God's church with the ministry of the word. I've never preached Psalm 113, but I've got a great outline now. So, <laughs> so good. The content was rich. Who is like the Lord? Nobody's like the Lord. If you have not listened to last Sunday yet, you should definitely listen to that. I've listened to it twice, and I'm learning stuff every time. So um, thank you, brother, for ministering God's word to us. I like Proverbs 4 uh, because the plot thickens. Like up to this point, we have heard from a father and a son, a father speaking to his son. Now the grandfather is at it. And, and with the adding of the grandfather comes a deepening of this tone of affection. And so watch for the affection. I want, you, I want to read verses 1 through 4 one more time. And I want you to look for the affection that's at work in these first four verses. And really throughout the whole of Proverbs chapter 4. Listen for the tone of affection going deeper. Verse 1 here. O sons, plural, a father's instruction... And be attentive, for I'm giving you good stuff, really good stuff. Don't forsake my teaching. When I was a son with your grandfather, tender, some of you have in verse 3, the NIV, cherished by my mom. Do you see that? Cherished. There's this cherished, treasured language going on here. Uh, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, like the only one my mom could see. I was the apple of my mother's eye. 
He taught me, your grandfather taught me and said to me, let your heart do something. Like this is just loaded with the language of affection and relationship. The Bible knows us so well. It knows us so well. It knows that grandsons look up to grandfathers like heroes. I was 13 years old when we visited Nanny and Pop-Pop's house in Philadelphia, just outside of Philly, and I loved the smell of his pipe. And <laughs> some of you can see where this is going. On this particular visit, I suppose the spirit of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn possessed me <laughs> because he was at work. And so I went and got his pipe, got it some, some tobacco because I knew where that was, and I found a lighter because he had lots of lighters. And I stole away across the street to the high school, found me a good spot took a few long pulls on that pipe. I mean, I guess they were long. What's a 13-year-old know about how to smoke a pipe? <laughs> Got sufficiently dizzy <laughs> sitting among the princes of the world, having arrived. And then enjoyed the moment. And on my way back to the house, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get this thing put back without getting busted. And so I called my mom because I couldn't put all the details back together. Did you ever, so this is a 55-year-old son talking to his mother this week on the phone. Do you know about the pipe incident? She said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, moms remember those kind of things, right, for sure. So she said, I guess Pop-Pop, if he noticed, covered for you. Now, why would a 13-year-old do that? What was did, I, did I wake up that morning with a nicotine craving? <laughs> of course not. Why would I do that? I woke up that morning wanting to be like my hero, like Pop-Up. I mean, I remember the, the picture of him in his military, in his army uniform, in his study. I'll never forget that. I knew that he provided well for his family. I knew that he was the most respected grandfather in our family. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be, like, if, if he was the president of the pipe club, I wanted to be the vice president of the pipe club. Like, that's what was going on in my heart. And I want you to see this in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Don't miss this. Verses 1 through 4 purposefully tie three generations together, grandfather, father, and son, to make the point that the very best things in life are passed through channels of affection, through relationship. And in Proverbs, the best thing in life is wisdom. It's wisdom. This grandfather wants to give to his sons and their sons Wisdom for life, for the very best things in life, for that which is good and right and noble and beautiful and true. In other words, what I'm saying is um, 
a love for wisdom is caught way more than it's taught. And if you want to impress or influence or like if you want to disciple and influence your grandchildren, it doesn't start with a list of do's and don'ts. It starts with wisdom. It starts with relationship. It starts with affection. If you want to influence your children, it doesn't start with a list of do's and don'ts as much as I want it to. And you and I want it to as parents. Wisdom and influencing the next generation starts with getting into their hearts, getting in where they're making decisions at the intuitive, heartfelt level, right? Like, that's where, that's how you gain influence in a teenager's heart. That's how you gain influence in a young person's heart and soul. And the Bible is just brilliant on this. Like, yeah, of course there are things that are right and wrong. And by the way, you shouldn't smoke, okay? Just, <laughs> I'm purposefully holding out on that one because some of you want me to go there immediately, and that really misses the point. There are three things we're told about wisdom in this chapter, and there's a subtle progression, so watch for this. Get wisdom, get it, love it, and then keep it. Let's do that. Let's walk through those. Number one, this is in verses five through seven. Get wisdom. I love this. Verse five, get wisdom, get insight. Don't forget, don't turn away from the words of my mouth. He, he's, he's saying, get wisdom. Learn how to live skillfully in God's world. Learn the art and craft of wisdom. This is our family secret. Like, this is our generational treasure. This is the most valuable thing I have. Like, we have land. We're going to hand that down to you, grandson uh, or son. We have, you know, but the most valuable thing we can give to you is wisdom. It's a beautiful, valuable, generational thing. Uh, I was at my favorite Vietnamese pho restaurant, like, you know, the noodle bowl, the pho soup, um, and on Orange Avenue, and one of the sons, I just was chatting it up a little bit, and one of the sons, uh, I, or grandsons, I guess, was, had just gotten back from Vietnam. I just told him, you know, because I'm one of the few white guys in there, and he's like, we're talking, and I said, man, this is so good. This is so delicious. Like, he said, yeah, and he, so he's just talking with me, and he said, we just got back from Vietnam, and their family recipe is one of the most popular recipes to be used in four restaurants in the surrounding area where they live. He said, it's like this family ancient recipe, and that's why it's, I guess, so good. And I'm like, that's really interesting. This is what families do. They pass down famous treasured recipes. And this family, in Proverbs 4, treasures a recipe for the good life. Like an amazing family treasure. It's like the father and the grandson are saying to the sons and granddaughters and, and grandchildren, this is our family treasure. This is what we want to pass down to you. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forsake her. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. 
get wisdom. You see that again? Like tie verse 5 to verse 7, get wisdom. Get wisdom. I like the New King James. Some of you have the New King James version. I like the New King James um, early on as I was reading my Bible. This really got my attention uh, early as a Christian. I, I was using that translation, and here's what it says. Wisdom is the thing, the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Here it is. In all of your getting, that's what it says. In all of your getting, verse 7, get wisdom, get understanding. So that's what life is in so many ways about, what you're getting, right? You're going to be tempted to get a lot of things in this life. You're going to be tempted to get more shoes, a nicer home, get a better job. That's what I need. I need to get a better job. Get ahead of others. Doesn't really matter where you get as long as you're ahead of others, right? Maybe even get rich. Like, how much of your life is about getting something? So, in all of your getting, the instruction of Proverbs 4 says, in all of your getting, in all of your pursuits, in all of your dreams, in all of your desires, Get what? Get, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Like, get it. Set your heart on it. Be interested, consumed with it. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who stumbled upon a treasure in a field. And having found that treasure in the field, he buried it back because it was not rightfully his. We'd never want to accuse Jesus of being unethical in his parables. But he goes and he takes all the money that he has, all the possessions, sells everything, rightly buys the field, gets this treasure, and puts all of his eggs in that basket. And that's exactly what Proverbs 4 is saying. Put all of your pursuit in wisdom. Because if you get wisdom, you'll never be dissatisfied. You'll never come up short. In all that you're getting, get wisdom. That's the first thing, number one. Get it. Get it like it matters more than anything else in the world. And it will change your life and the way you make decisions. What you're doing every week. How you manage your technology. All that stuff. Secondly, don't just get it. And I think it's subtle. Test me on this, but as I read Proverbs 4, I see a subtle progression from get it to love it and then to keep it. So secondly, love it. Once you get wisdom, you're not done. You need to cultivate an appreciation for her. Look at verse 6. Because Proverbs will repeatedly refer to wisdom uh, as lady wisdom or a personified form of wisdom. So wisdom is a beautiful person. You should build a relationship with this beautiful person. Get, like, do not forsake her and she will keep you. Look at verse 6. Love her. Mark that. Love her and she will guard you. So remember from early on in the series, the simple 
scoffing, foolish heart that still lives in here loves all the wrong things, right? And acquiring a new taste for wisdom, which, which happens when we become believers, doesn't automatically delete my old appetites. So a change in deep desires and longings is a long process. But if you love wisdom, verse 6, if you love her, like the language of love and affection is really clear here. If you love her, she will help you. She will, she will change the desires of your heart. Drop down to verse 8, same kind of language. Prize her. Treasure her. Embrace her. Learn to love wisdom for who she is. All right, here's an analogy. Let me talk to the guys for just a second. Do you remember back when you were courting your wife? Back when you, like way back, some of you guys go way back, <laughs> to when you were, you were dating your wife or courting your wife, whatever you called it, and you thought about, you were creative, you were actively engaged in showing your affection for her, you purposefully uh, went out of your way to do things. By the way, note, side note, Tuesday <laughs> is Valentine's Day, just giving you a heads up to the guys. Ladies, it's fair to send this message if your husband's not here to him. Just cut out this part. Um, I mean, include this part. You know what I'm saying. You know, pull it out and send that part. That's what I meant. Okay. Um, one of my favorites was, uh, is your dad a diamond broker? Because I am trying to figure out where the sparkle is coming from in your eyes. Whoa. <laughs> All right, so, so, all right, don't try that. That's mine. Don't take that one. Man, you have got beautiful eyes, woman. All right, she, she's embarrassed, but it is Valentine's Day coming up. Oh, so here's the point. If you don't seriously court wisdom, if you don't show an interest in wisdom, if you don't go after wisdom as if you loved her, she can't help you. She, you won't know her. She, she can't enter into a reciprocating relationship with you. She can't change your heart. If you don't give her your heart, she can't change your heart, right? But if you give wisdom, your, if you give your heart to wisdom, if you love her, if you prize her, if you treasure her above everything else in the world, if you treasure wisdom as if it were the very character of God, like, now that, that's a relationship. And that'd be life-changing. And it'd be satisfying. Verse 8. If you prize her, she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. This is love language. Because we love the wrong things, Proverbs 4 goes after loving the right things. All right, here's the third point. And again, I think there's this subtle progression here, subtle but definite, from getting to loving 
to keeping. To get something is not the same thing as to keep something. You can get a job. You might not keep that job. And you have to work to keep. So in Proverbs 4, keeping is more than just possessing. Look at this. Let me show that. Let's walk through Proverbs 4 together. Let me show you the keep references and try to make the case that keep is more than simply to possess. Look at verse 4. Keep my commandments. Keep here in verse 4 is to obey, is, is to fulfill. It's, it's like you keep a promise. Drop to verse 13. Circle the word keep. <coughs> to hold on to. Keep hold is even kind of... Uh, explained in, in that language, keep hold of instruction. So don't just possess it, but guard it. Like, keep it close to your person. Keep it in your pocket. Keep it, in, keep it close to your chest. Keep it, keep, preserve it, guard it. Verse 21, uh, the echoing of the preserve this length. Like verse 21 says, keep them within your heart. Drop down to 21 and, and look at the word keep. Verse 21 imagines that your heart is like a secret place where you could put this and secure it, like you'd close it up in a locket, you know, and it would be really a treasure for your heart, and it would do something while it was in your heart. And then the, the last one's verse 23. Look at verse 23. This is my favorite verse in the chapter. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it spring, from it life itself comes. Wisdom is the secret to the good life. It is the art and skill of learning how to live according to God's design, but it's also a secret. Like, it's, a sec it's, the, it's the family secret. It's a true, noble, beautiful kind of life. And, and the life theme, by the way, is one of the big themes in this chapter. So in, in verse 4 it started, if you keep these commandments, you'll live. It's like his, the grandfather teaching the son, who teaches his son, is, uh, is talking life. He's talking qualitatively different kind of life. He's not just talking about lengthening your life, though that would be certainly included. Because you would make a foolish decision that would end your life early. But qualitative life, like qualitatively different kind of life, true, noble, beautiful. That's what's going on in this chapter. So it's in verse 4. It goes all the way down to verse 23. kind of culminates in verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life itself. So if you want to live a beautiful, true, noble, godly life, you need wisdom. And if you have wisdom, verse 24 It'll change the way that you speak. Look at verse 24. It'll, it'll change wisdom because out of the heart flows all of these things, right? It'll change the way you talk, verse 24. 
It'll improve your vision, verse 25. You'll, you'll look and, and head in the right direction, verse 25. It takes a certain amount of concentration to live life well. Have you thought about that? Like, you can't be texting while you're driving. If you're going to live life well, you have to concentrate. Like, you've got to put your eyes on the path. So, so it'll change the way you talk. It'll change your vision. It'll improve your vision. And then verse 26 says, it will actually stabilize your walk. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet. Or... Or make level your feet and your steps, and your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left, because walking through this world these days, any day really, our world and time is not more sinful than it's ever been in the past. It's just always been broken, deeply broken. But it feels that way right now, because that's where we're living. We're living in a minefield. And so you've got to figure out how to walk through the minefield. Because we live in enemy-occupied territory, and as you step and walk, you got to be really careful. And verse 26 says, think about where you're walking. Watch where you're stepping. Don't swerve to the left or to the right. Turn away from evil. All right, let me see if I can tie all this together with verse 23. Go back to verse 23. It's, it's, the, it's the verse of the chapter, I think. So... So let's tie it all together with verse 23. And if you've never memorized it, I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. Let's do it together. Okay? A little bit different than almost snow day. We can do things differently, right? So let's do this. Let's do it together. And let, let me get you to repeat after me. Verse 23. Now, whatever translation you have, just go ahead and say it. That's fine. Just voice what you've got. Uh, it'll be close enough. Verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Say that. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Say it one more time. Keep your heart with all vigilance. All right. For from it flow the springs of life. Try that. For from it flow the springs of life. One more time. For from it flow the springs of life. Good. Now practice on the person next to you for just a second. Say it in your head and then say it to them. Pair up real quickly. Just do it with whoever's next. If you're by yourself, just work on it by yourself. Say it out loud if you can. You got it locked in? Jonah, you got it? Okay, here we go. One more time, out loud, all together. We're just going to say it. Try to say it without looking. I'm going to look because I have to keep us moving. But you try to say it without looking. Ready? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Do you know... In John chapter 7, this is so cool, listen to this. In John chapter 7, last day of the feast, Jesus stands up and he's in the temple precinct and he gets everybody's attention. And he quotes this verse. Did you know that? Here's what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, he says, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We think 
he's quoting Proverbs 4.23 and making himself the fulfillment of it. What scripture? Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Probably verse 23 of chapter 4, for from the heart flow the springs of life. Same idea that he engaged the Samaritan woman with. Listen, if you believe me, if you believe the gospel, something's going to well up inside of you from within your own heart because I'm going to redeem your heart. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to put life in you that's not there. And it's going to start pumping life like a well, right, of fresh living water. If you believe me, if you believe the gospel, this means, if we've got it right, that Jesus probably has 423 in mind. This means that Jesus was declaring himself not only the fulfillment of wisdom, but the source of true eternal life and a qualitatively different kind of life right now, making himself the well of eternal life. Whoever drinks of the world's waters will just keep thirsting. But if you, he says, like if you will drink from me, if you will come to me, if you will drink from me, he says, your heart is going to be so radically changed. And it's like life it's like you're going to be different. And you're, where's this coming from? It's coming from a new heart from the gospel. It's coming from Jesus. Keep your heart with all vigilance, guarded, especially if you've let Jesus come in to change who you are and to produce real life. And if you've never met Christ, Man, I would love for you to think about that more. We could talk to you about it after the service today. And your life will change. Like, this church is full of people who've experienced the living water of Jesus and who will never be the same. And we'd love to tell you more about how that works and why you should trust in Christ.